Hey guys, and welcome back to Momish Unfiltered, episode 8. Episode 8, here we go. Alright, well we have a doozy for you today, but before we jump into that, I feel like I need to ask you how your week was. I feel like moms don't really get that a lot. So. That is so true. It is true. It's so more of the day to day. Um, last week was a little rough. Tristan was not feeling his best, which meant that he had to stay home. And we're on day five, I guess, of our quality time together. Unfortunately, he is feeling better. But um, anytime that you are, you know, trapped in the house with your kids and the weather was not great, um, so we couldn't even really go outside much or anything like that, it is a struggle. And I know you moms out there know what I'm talking about. I know some people are like, oh, I love being at home with the kids. No, <laughs> I am not one of them um, unless we're all tired equally and everybody sleep um, because sometimes it's just nice to get out. And I actually feel like when you get out of the house with your children, time goes faster because you're doing an activity. You're focusing on, focusing on something else. But um, it was a little rough, but my baby feels better. So that's all that matters. But I think um, what I've learned from that is that there is definitely such a thing as too much quality time. <laughs> I can agree. Yeah. But how was your week? Um, my week was a little rough because Ava decided to dabble in a little bit of sleep regression. Oh, no. Yeah, so she has been doing good. She's been sleeping through the night, going to bed at around, like, 8, 8.30. Okay. And then she decided she just was not going to lay in her bed anymore. She wasn't going to do it. She wasn't going to take it anymore. Oh, no. Yeah, so I was up anywhere from 8 p.m. to 3 a.m., and I still had to go to work and, and get my other, you know kid going small and, babies and, and it's been really hard but what makes it even worse is one when your baby doesn't um you know cooperate then everything else snowballs right it makes everything worse and yeah. then also when your spouse doesn't help you sleep train oh girl it makes life so much harder so true so my my week was hell because i do not do well without sleep i know some people that can no, operate you don't. on little sleep <laughs> i'm one of those i am an operator oh, uh, next to no yeah. yeah because i just have to i yeah. just function i just keep going i become so agitated if i don't get <laughs> Oh, that, I'm irritable. eight hours. But I'm functioning. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my week was really rough, but hopefully it's going to get better. It will. It's a new week. Yeah, yeah. Positivity. Speak it into your spirit, girl. Exactly. But let's go ahead and jump into this week's topic. All like right. Like I said, it was a doozy. It's like a heavy topic, guys. All right. Brace so, yourself. <laughs> being black in America. So I know this is not like a new uh. topic, right? <laughs> but, I mean... Can we talk about for a moment that Starbucks closed 8,000 of their stores mm -hmm. in response to the two African-American males in Philadelphia that were arrested in April? Right. You know, just were sitting there waiting for a business partner. But because they didn't buy anything and they were using the restroom and whatever else, the manager who was white called the cops and right. the cops basically didn't ask really any questions they were like just come with us son yeah you must have done something wrong right come right. here so in response to all of that starbucks said okay we're gonna we're gonna have racial sensitivity training mm -hmm. and we're gonna help our partners understand what it means to have african-americans you know customers right partners that's actually what they call their employees they call them partners mm -hmm. and then also um they say now you can come into any starbucks as long as you're not like a danger to anybody without buying anything and hang out 
black, white, yellow, whatever. Which is kind of crazy that they had to say that at all because I'm sure people do that every day with no issue. Exactly. So how do we feel about that? Well, for starters, um, I think it's really something that you have to examine on a large scale and then try to get down in the weeds. I think that Starbucks did a great thing trying to take responsibility and have this social sensitivity um, training because it's very important culturally um, for the people who work there and their customers that they feel appreciated or welcome in the store to begin with, period. So the fact that they took that first step and said, you know what, let's talk about this amongst each other, um, I think is great. It also begs the question to me about how their employees feel. I don't know if they have any type of training before that they've done on this level, but I'm sure that Starbucks has minority employees who might be of a certain religion, race, gender, identification, whatever. And you have to wonder, have those people ever felt like they were being um, discriminated against in some way, shape, or form? So I think that they taking the step to really identify this issue and hone in on it and discuss it on a larger scale was definitely a good thing. I think that's um, a, a good point that you make. But I also wonder, one, what exactly is Starbucks going for here? Like, what are they going to do? They're going to run a video that says, look, black people are your friend. Is that the sort of thing that um, they're looking for? Are they saying... What you need to be mindful of is that you are not always going to be in a glossy neighborhood. So are you trying to learn how to live and respect the people in the communities that you serve? And so I think that um, that's not clear to me, but I mean, I guess if it's clear to uh, the corporation, the employees and everyone as a whole, then I, I guess that's a good thing. But I also felt some type of way that they closed when they aren't traditionally like busy. So I'm like, how sorry are you? Okay, you're going to close at 2 <laughs> that's o'clock a good point. Uh, you know, on a, a Friday. Well, you know, I didn't even realize initially that it wasn't supposed to be closed all day. When they right. said Starbucks is closing their stores, I thought that the training was supposed to be a, you know, eight-hour training thing. Not, oh, we're open until 2.30 on a Tuesday, and then we close for the day, and we have the rest of the three to five hours or whatever to talk about social, you know, racial injustices or whatever. Right. I thought they were closing all day. Right. And it's like nobody goes in there at 2.30. That's why they did it. So exactly. if you really wanted to be like, I truly care, everybody is in Starbucks from like 6 to like 11. Okay. And then maybe, maybe there might be a 2 o'clock rush because, you know, you have that like, I'm dying at exactly. 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock hits, you're like, woo, yeah. I need some coffee. Help. And that's not necessarily as, you know serious as the 6 to 11 time frame. So right. they could have closed in and said, okay, we we mean it. And you know what? They should have probably done the 6 to 11 time frame, like you said, because that sends a message to other people that, oh, why is Starbucks closed today? What type of training are they doing? For people who didn't know, especially non-minorities, where, um, <clears throat> where especially non-minorities are wondering, why is Starbucks closed today? They might have hopped on Google and tried to figure it out and said, what is this social social sensitivity training they're talking about? Why are they doing this? 
But if you close at 2.30, they already got their latte and they're good to go for the rest of the day. Right. But if you really want people to do the research and figure out what's going on, you should have closed from 6 to 11 so that they really had to wonder, where is my caffeine and what is going on today? Exactly. They would have been okay. Yeah. And like, how many times have you guys been to Starbucks and nobody ever said anything to you? Yeah. Right? I I can't say I've ever had issues. No one has ever looked at me funny. Nobody has ever said, have you bought something? Nobody has ever called the cops. Right. So I'm wondering, like, what all of a sudden would encourage that manager to uh, call the cops on these two African-American males? Because I'm sure that's not the only, you know, black people that walk through the door. So I, I think, like... It would definitely help for Starbucks not only to do the sensitivity training, but also be mindful of the people that they're hiring. Exactly. And sort of the, you know, the prejudices that they, you know, harbor. That so is I think true. that's like, that's super uh, important. That is a great uh, point. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was just really strange. It was. Wasn't it? I feel like it was random out of nowhere. But it really was. you know what else was random? What? Did you hear about the chick that was napping at Yale? Oh, yeah. And napping while black. And like some white woman called the cops on her. Yes, she did. She was napping in a common area. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, the campus police showed up and was like, Hey, girl. Where's your card? Do you go here? And then the chick opened her room door and was like, I belong here. And the cops were like, Not even going for it they sure weren't i think she had to take them to her room and show them hey i have the key to this dorm room and the whole shebang which really is ridiculous Mm -hmm. and those cops should have thought doesn't this seem a bit much that i'm having to go to this woman's room and she's showing me this key and all this because the accuser said oh i don't think she goes there it's some homeless person sleeping in the middle of yale because homeless people do that they roll up in dorms and just lay out well actually you'd be surprised You would be surprised. Let me just say, this one lady, and this is kind of off topic, I work in the D.C. area, but um, the thing is, she was sitting in um, a federal building, right? She was sitting in the opening of a federal building, and she was smoking a cigarette, Mm. and she looked fine for all intents and purposes, and then when she finished smoking her cigarette, she walked over to her homeless cart with all her stuff on it, her life's work, and pushed it on and so you'd be surprised i mean not to defend that that woman but i feel like you just did no but you I'm basically just, saying, just said well she could have been homeless you'd be surprised but what i'm saying is before you try to judge a book by its cover you should at least look at the whole picture first but according to what you just said she did she looked at the book and said this book don't belong here in this library Hello, police. Come get this book. That book is probably something for a class. Like, it's not like a person who's homeless is going to be reading the, you know, I don't know, theory of relativity or something. Can they not read? There are lots of smart homeless people out there. They didn't start that way. True. But I'm just saying, like, you know, sometimes you'd be surprised. But in this instance, I, you know, from what I understand and what I've read, Mm -hmm. that woman has called the cops on other African-American. Right. Um students there right they did find that after some investigation that she is a repeat offender right so you're kind of looking at her side eye like all right lady what's your deal yeah so if i were the cops i would be like consider the source like she calls like ah a black person (laughs) stop you know like (laughs) right if you really feel that way bitch go in your room lock your door okay and you know don't say anything get you some maze keep it to yourself exactly you don't have to be like oh there's a black person call the cops please i need to be saved but from a sleeping black woman. By right. The way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's. it's That's crazy that yeah. even in a sleeping state, 
we are a threat. Well, not even just that. I think it's really a slap in the face to be attending an Ivy League institution. I have attended one. Right. And to have someone look at you, a person who's worked just as hard to be there and Mm -hmm. to contribute and to be, you know, sometimes you might be the first person in your family to go to an Ivy League school or college in general. Right. And for somebody to say, like, just because you're African-American or from a different nationality, race, whatever, to say that you don't belong there is entirely uh, disrespectful. And Mm -hmm. it's more than being, uh, you know, racist it's 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 just so disrespectful and it's so spiteful and it it really does um you know really burn me up yeah but people are saying that every day and it's not just in your institutions it's it's at your schools um it's at your work obviously we we talked about starbucks it's really happening everywhere it's in your neighborhoods it's your neighbor next door you know to some extent and those are things that you just can't help but run into those situations, unfortunately. And I think given the political climate that we're in, where you have a president who is clearly blatantly racist and is able to, you know, seek to have office, it's like, okay, well, apparently that's how the world is working these days. So right. you roll with the punches, you try to act accordingly. It's like, well, what are you supposed to do? Right. Are we, should we be on the defense at all times and, you know, scared to walk down the street because I'm like, someone's going to call. I'm, I'm chewing my gum too loudly. You know, right. what do you do in those instances? Yeah, I don't know. And I think that speaks to a larger issue with black people being targeted in America now. Right. And, you know, what do you do? I mean, for me, I always find it funny and I don't know if that necessarily lends itself to helping the problem. It really doesn't solve anything but I think it's funny when a white person says to me like oh you're black like I would much rather be me and live my life than you any day and the thing that I find the funniest is Mm -hmm. when like those white people are like no offense but from the worst place they could live in a cardboard box and still think that they're better than a black person and I'm like no I'm severely middle class like I have you know not you know nice things a nice home a great family health insurance my house looks way better than yours and I would much rather be me any day than you so mm-hmm. when people are saying like oh you know oh you're black I just laugh because I'd, I'd much rather be you know black and middle class than white and poor Right. Um, I I think that that is a very good point, but I think we are living in a climate right now where um, some white Americans legitimately feel superior. Right. And that's not just to um, African-American, that's to any and all races. Yeah. And like I said, when you have this Trumper in the office and um, he has given people, you know, the okay to have this sense of entitlement and to feel like it's okay to, you know, be racist and be a bigot and say whatever you feel and do these things, people are out here doing that. Um, I was reading the other day how there is a man running for governor or something like that um, in the state of Virginia And he has openly admitted to being a pedophile. He has openly admitted to raping his ex-wife. And he said, this is what the people want. That's why I'm being honest about who I am, because that is the America that we live in today, that I shouldn't have to hide who I am. This is me. Vote for me. I'm the guy you want. I'm going to tell you the truth. And I was reading that like, what? (laughs) like this is I'm like how come no one's arrested this man he's clearly openly admitted to being a pedophile he'd also um, been on chat rooms and things like that 
Um, he was writing literature about being a pedophile. He's in groups, um, some type of group, I think it's called side ped, um, suicide for pedophiles or something along that lines where he was, you know, inspiring them and telling them ways that, Hey, you can have your pedophile lifestyle. You don't have to kill yourself. There's ways around it. Right. You can marry yourself someone who will sign their kid off to you. I mean, it's, the shit is crazy. It's outrageous. But, um, this is what we're dealing with. People who are coming out here and saying, Hey, um, I can do and say whatever I want these days because we live in a world in America where this is what is, you know, popping. So it, it's just, it, it baffles me. Um, and it's very unfortunate, obviously, but I think you're right. Um, I think, you know, looking at the larger issue of, of what is happening with blacks in America um, and why people are targeted, it's just, it's such a broad thing to look at. Yeah. And I would say too, um, You know, a lot of people, the first thing they do is turn on their phones because they want some sort of documented evidence that they're about to, you know, God forbid, be shot by a police officer or beat down by um, a white person that might feel threatened by their presence. Um, I feel like that happens more to African-American men than women. Right, it does. And in a lot of ways, I feel like um, white people are very, very threatened by the sort of... uh, I don't want to say aggressive, but the strength in the presence of an African-American man. Agreed. And so I feel like they say, oh, he's coming at me. Right. Like, you know. (laughs) Clutch your pearls. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I understand that in a lot of ways. But at the same time, I think what is also important is don't give them the satisfaction. A lot of times I know people are like, what? I didn't do anything. They're being hauled off. I'm, I would like that girl at Yale did would say, no, excuse me, sir. Right. Why exactly are you targeting me? Exactly. I belong here. Here are my credentials. I'm not going to play this ignorant game. I don't exactly. know what I'm, what's wrong with But she shouldn't black. have had to justify herself she to begin with. But you know what? Come across as educated. Come across as you stupid bleep bleepers you're not going to you know make me a victim right i'm going to stand strong because i am black and i am proud of it and there's nothing wrong with that right and so i would say keep doing that um keep standing up for yourself and don't you know buckle to the pressure Mm -hmm. um of you know oh gosh you know am i gonna get shot am i gonna get killed well hopefully not and you know i wish campus police would kill somebody (laughs) when's the last (laughs) time i have another issue lord i know i don't wish that i'm just saying right but um you know so that's something that is really really scary and bringing up our kids yeah um, these days it's like you know, there's so many things that we have to teach our kids already, like how to be good people, how to be empathetic, how to be good with money, how to be self-sufficient. Now, if you have an African-American son or daughter, you have right. to say, okay, well, this is also what you have to uh, take into account and you have to be mindful of. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It was last year. Procter & Gamble came out with uh, a commercial mm-hmm. which was so timely it was called my black is beautiful uh-huh. and i want you guys to check it out it's on youtube it's everywhere right and it had various scenarios where mothers african-american mothers were talking to their kids and saying this is what you need to know right you're going to have somebody you know call you a nigger or you might hear it but mm-hmm. that's not a reflection of who you are exactly this is what you need to know and so it started off with like are you going to have the talk with your kids? Right. And so I felt like that commercial was like so powerful. Like it if really this is. was not just an audio, I would like literally play it for you guys so you could see it. It's yeah. so amazing. 
And it's so, like, appropriate. I wish sometimes that my parents would have... Had conversations like talked that. Talked to me like that. Yeah. yeah, they were just like, there's nothing wrong with being black. Black is beautiful. That's, that's it. And right. I still believe that. But I feel like some situations that I was in as a younger person would have been easier to understand if I would have went into it not just being blind because, you know, from my perspective, there's nothing wrong with being black. So that can't be it. You know, um, it's interesting that you say that you wish that they had had more of these conversations. I will say um, to that effect that I remember having general race conversations with some of my elders, not just my parents, but like my grandmothers, my aunts and uncles. And to some degree... Um, talking about race with them, especially who have, they've definitely experienced more a different type of racism than we're experiencing presently. <clears throat> it was a sensitive issue and topic. And it was something that they didn't want to talk about too much, I think. But I think also there was um, a lot of pain in what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And bringing it up and discussing it just seemed to kind of make it worse. Right. Because you could always hear the elevation in their voice. Like, you've been through something and you're trying to tell me to be careful and watch what you say and watch what you do, but you're not telling me the full story. So from what I'm you know, understanding, I know I need to be careful, but I don't know what specifically happened to you that I, you know, should know why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, you had a general sense of black is beautiful, be strong, yada, yada. But at the same time, having these conversations, especially like they did in the Procter and Gamble video, unfortunately is what we're having to do today. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate, but like you said, we have black children and you want to arm them as best you can. Um, In addition to being good and healthy people and all that jazz. Now I have to add this extra layer of race. Um, And for me, it really begs the question of, okay, well, what do you teach our children about that? Um, I would say that you need to start first by educating yourself Obviously, there's lots of things we know off top of our head. We went to college, we educated people, blah, blah, blah. Even if you didn't go to college, there's something you know about race relations and things like that. But um, there is nothing wrong with doing a little bit more research and becoming informed because you want to make sure that when you do talk to your kids about it, you're sending the right message, Um, especially since we have toddlers I don't think that all messaging is appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to make sure that it's age appropriate. You know, what I might say to a toddler versus a middle schooler is two different things. But there are ways to appropriately teach your children about race. Um, Because I want my child to be informed, especially because Tristan is starting to you know, notice, you know, brown people and yellow people or this person's peach and he's using all these different colors and things like that. But I want my kid to know that it's okay to know different cultures, embrace them and different people and that we all don't look alike and we're all, you know, not the same. But, um, you know, on a fundamental level, we all are people. We're Mm -hmm. here together. We're in this world fighting the good fight. And um, that's okay to know other people and embrace them. Um, Yeah. And that's what I also wanted to teach my children because my children won't necessarily be very brown. So they're mixed. And Uh so it's, there's one way that they will identify, you know, and I don't know how they will identify. They could identify as white. They could identify as black. Mm -hmm. I assume they will be more like, you know, feeling like they're black because my family lives in the area. So they'll have a lot more um, interaction with their African-American side than their white side. Right. Um, But if the world doesn't see them really, 
mm-hmm. as black, I want them to still understand what it means to be black so they can still be empathetic and say, hey, you know right. what, that's not okay. They need to notice to step up and say, as much as I am white or as the world sees me as uh, a white person, mm-hmm. I am also African American and it's not okay. So they need to understand how to stand up and do those things. I agree. So I think that's also very important. I think that is a very good point. Um, in that same vein, I would say you should probably look for teaching moments. Um, you know, in my research about what to teach my own child about racism, um, there was a really great example about um, eggs. And there were white eggs and there were brown eggs. And those two eggs might not be the same color, but on the inside, everything is exactly the same. I still am trying to figure out the difference. <laughs> What's the point? I thought brown eggs are organic, right? No, I don't know. I don't think I've ever gotten any white eggs that are organic. No, I think the brown eggs are the organic free range, you know, eggs. I'm going to Google that after this. Yeah. (laughs) I'll let you guys know what the difference is next episode. Yeah. But um, white eggs, brown eggs, they're all the same on the inside. And that's really what you want to express to your children. That's what's important at the end of the day. Um, I would also consider... Um, looking at different literature, there are some great books out there. Um, if you just, you know, hit a quick Google, you know, um, how to teach kids about racism books. Um, there are some really awesome ones out there. There's a book called The Skin I'm In, and that's awesome. And then also there's another one called Who We Are. And that's also another good book that's good for like kids, you know, five and under, three and under, um, really for anyone, if you're just trying to teach them about, you know, racism and stuff and they're younger. Um, so that was something that I would be suggesting for you. Yeah. And Sesame street too is also really awesome. So I don't know if you've ever seen it recently, but they've talked about like having different different textures of hair Yeah, and talked about, you know, different skin. I mean, they even have one about, um, a little girl with autism or not like a Muppet or whatever the hell they are. Yeah. Yeah. So they have those. So they have all sorts of, uh, people from different backgrounds Mm -hmm. on the, the Sesame street that now your kids can identify with or Mm -hmm. even, you know, say, okay, well this is how they are. And it's okay to be that way. Yeah, and so I I really like cartoons these days because they're really inclusive. They're exceptionally inclusive. I wrote a blog post once about... what was it, Doc McStuffin? Oh, that's and right. And had two moms. One was African-American. Right. So it's like, I feel like now our culture is including uh, mixed race, um, you know, people who from, you know, different genders, backgrounds yep. and everything um, into mainstream. It does. So I feel like that definitely helps the race conversation. But Most I feel definitely. like we still have to, you know, do more at home. Oh, agreed. Yeah. It all starts with at home and what you're doing. And, you know, obviously that's exceptionally important. But like you said, I appreciate that companies now are realizing that we need to be more inclusive. And I think especially our children's generation will definitely be in this, you know, whole kind of, you know, mixing bowl, mud everybody's one together just because that's how the world is going. And I'm appreciative of that. It makes it easier for parents to explain if the world outside of your home is dictating that, oh, there are things out there that represent everyone. So that's right. great from an educational standpoint um, with cartoons and literature and things like that. Um, but I think what's also important is to really be a role model. Right. Show your kids through your own actions that you can be kind to each other, um, that you can appreciate other races, other cultures, other religions, no matter what the people look like, where they're from, and know that it's okay. Yeah. So for... Um you guys, do you find it to be like hard to be black in America or are you saying like, 
this is coming out of nowhere. Are you really surprised about it? I mean, right. let us know. Yeah. As usual, sound off on AngieLiving.com or any of our social media handles. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed this one. And uh, till next week, we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you.